This episode of the Randy Russell Podcast is brought to you by the Randy Russell Podcast. If we don't support it, who will? Find this and future episodes at rspeen.com and Apple Podcasts. Questions or comments, email us at rrpodcast2000 at gmail.com. Our guest host, Peter Batchelder, lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and writes music for commercials, films, and documentaries. He's also a member of the band's Irritating Rainbow, the rip-off artists, and No Bad Dogs. Peter is a recovering filmmaker, a practicing Anglophile, and an Akshotchan conservative. Welcome to the Randy Russell Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Batchelder. I'd like to introduce at this time a man whose refrigerator has been considered by some as a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, the mystery man in the flesh, Mr. Randy Russell. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I should like to begin by asking one simple question. Are you optimistic about the future or pessimistic? Uh, uh, definitely optimistic. Can you explain why you're optimistic? Um, well, just because it um, seems like the best route. It seems like the best route as far as like just like um, day-to-day life? Yeah, or? Well, at least if anyone asks me that question, that's... Which I just did. And I say, yeah. Yes. And they're actually pessimistic. <laughs> You're actually pessimistic? Are you pessimistic um, or optimistic? Well, well, both, uh, simultaneously. It's hard to be. It's not a binary thing? Yeah. It's more of a quantum yeah. thing where you're somewhere on the scale between pessimistic and optimistic? Yeah, it's kind of, it, it depends on, probably it depends on whether, um, how much physical discomfort I'm feeling at the time. How much do you feel typically? Are you yeah. under a fair amount of pain? Um, I, I suffer from headaches ah, from time to time. I didn't know Migraines. That. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and, and they're not horrible migraines, but um, the kind of migraines that you don't know if it's a migraine or not, which is kind of more maddening in a way. Ah. Um, maybe not. Maybe that's not as bad as the Is ones. it, uh, there's any... It's any, crippling. Any... You have any sort of a sense of what brings them on, or no? I I I I think there's different. There's some triggers, um, dietary things, um, irregular sleep, stress. Mm-hmm. But it never seems the the patterns never work out. That's what's so maddening about it. Sometimes it's stress, and then sometimes you're under a great deal of stress, and you go like, "That's the time when I would get a migraine." Mm-hmm. And you don't. You don't. And I don't, and it's. Or eat something where I go, like, I I think that's the kind of thing that causes me a migraine. Eat it again, you don't get one. So it's, it just drives, it kind of drives you crazy. It's like, it's I don't like know. Yeah. Constant uh, frustration of pattern recognition. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, uh, I thought, la- you know, sometimes lack of sleep will cause, cause it, and other times it won't. Sometimes lack of sleep makes me feel really good. And um, so it's, I just can't, I can never figure it out. How long have you been dealing with that? Your whole life or? No, well, I think about 20 years ago or so, a doctor said that it was probably migraines. Oh, okay. That, that what you were experiencing yeah. was migraines? I mean, that's, so I don't know, maybe before that. But that was at a time after I, I had I had quit drinking. Ah, and um, so I had less headaches in general because I didn't have hangover, <laughs> hangover right, right. the hangover kind. And so I, I kind of, I think I kind of thought like I shouldn't have headaches anymore. Period. And then the doctor probably said, "You, you're uh, sounds like migraines," and uh-huh. you know they described described my headaches. And the, and the doctor prescribed certain medication for me at that time, uh-huh. some prescription pills, which they later took off the market. Oh. I don't remember what those were called, but they helped until they didn't. Until yeah, they until you couldn't get them anymore. Yeah. And then, and then the re- replacement never then, really fit the bill. Or no, 
about and then another ten and then maybe ten years ago another doctor uh prescribed me with some other uh medication, which mm-hmm. one of the names of it is sumatriptan and it's got some different names I think. Mm-hmm. Um which works really well. When so do you take that when you start to get a migraine or is that something you take? I take it after I I kinda take them like after I've had it a while because I okay. try to wait to determine if it is a migraine sure, or not. Sure, sure. I don't know. Um, and it re- and it helps quite a bit. Um, what is the? I'm just because I'm. I think it's. I've never. I've never touched wood. Had a migraine, but what is the frequency that you have these migraines at? It's co- it's totally irregular. Totally irregular. Yeah, but it so could be like like. It could be like three in a week. Three in a week, and they last how long? It's a. For me, it's only the one day. Okay. And then if the medication, I can get rid of it in a few hours. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, and then sometimes I won't have any for for a month. So, and it, yeah. You're right. And it's just it's, questionable. You never know. Yeah, yeah, and then there might long. be one one week and one next week. Then it'll be like three weeks with none. And, I mean, it just... It, there's and you no, never got no a handle pattern. on what triggers that. No pattern or no. Wow. There's certain foods I stopped eating because I suspected. Um, that they did. And it's yeah. Not and it seemed like some fermented thing, like kimchi, I thought. I was eating, I was really eating kimchi a lot yeah. for a while uh-huh. and I really loved it. And I was like, I'm getting a lot of migraines. <laughs> I don't know. Some cheese, like maybe like blue cheese, gorgonzola. Okay. That's one that's very possible. At one point, I thought maybe orange juice okay. did, and I've kind of read people confirming these things too. But yeah. you know, if you read that on the internet, you I was going to say, do you, you know, see um, other evidence to support yeah. the theory that fermented foods or yeah, moldy I've, cheeses? I've heard people on. say that, but yeah. you know, there, you probably come up with hundreds of things if you start looking too deeply on the internet for. A, That's absolutely true. And then you might not want to eat anything. <laughs> The internet will say you're dying, or it could be nothing. Yeah. Yes, so, but they're they're not they're not horrible. Like I, I know you know I've heard, people have ones that are they're completely incapacitated. Yeah, they throw up. You know, they last for days, and and these aren't that bad. And I, so I don't like to make too big of a deal out of, out of it. But they do have the odd effect of making me feel very pessimistic. Pessimistic, yeah, and, and that like. Well, I've like, noticed that myself. Yes, it does. You know, when you're sick, as I recently was, um, the outlook can be rather dark. You know, when you have the flu, it's, yeah, you're not. I was you're just usually glad I didn't have yeah. flu, but I just had some kind of bug. You're, when you yeah. and you feel, yeah, you just you feel like if I had to keep going this like this the rest of my life, it would not be good. Right, you forget what it feels like to be healthy. Yeah, just normal. And it like, yeah, and then it becomes like, wow, if it was like this, you just have to use that part of your brain that can remember that. Because you can't remember what it feels like to be healthy, but remember that there is a way that it used to feel and just know that eventually you'll probably get back to that state. But it's impossible to imagine what it's, you can't seem to will that into existence yeah for sure yeah you just it, you feel like that you just couldn't go on right feeling like or, or and then it also just affects everything like nothing's good sure like you can't possibly enjoy anything and there's no hope for the world mm-hmm. so it's do you do anything in those times to um well, I try to get over it as quickly you know, if yeah. I can get over it. If I yeah. can get over them, um, I mean, they make me feel nauseous. I mean, that's the word. The word besides, it's well, the, the headaches part is yeah. obviously uh, very painful and kind of demands your full attention. I imagine, and is very difficult to yeah. escape. But the pessimism was what I was referring to just then, which was more like, do you find there's anything you can do with that pessimism, or is it just a byproduct of not feeling good? Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel like there's anything good that comes out of it, really. It's, mm. 
Um, not really. I can't. I mean, it'd be nice if there was a creative all that. I could post things on Facebook about. <laughs> <laughs> you could. You yeah, could. But, um, yeah, yeah. There's no hope. <laughs> people, yeah. People respond to. Usually, the stuff on Facebook. There's the four people respond equally, no matter what. But. Yeah, four the people. same four people. Yeah, the same four people. <laughs> so it's, it's that algorithm. It's the Randy algorithm. They like it. Yeah, they like it. Yeah, so it's okay. That was, Occasionally, you might get like a, a heart. No? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, yeah, that you know, harder yeah. the. It's a it's little bit more enthusiasm. The, yeah, heart. It's you have to really work hard for that. <laughs> it's got to be above and beyond for the hearts. Yes, this emoji-infested format now. Oh, well. Anyway, we don't need to focus on pessimism. I just, I've recently been dealing with bouts of anxiety and depression and pessimism, so it's been an interesting journey for me and not one that I would necessarily trade. Like, I'm glad I've experienced it. I'm a richer individual for having been through it, certainly. But, and part of it was learning, okay, this is you know, sort of acceptance of, what do they call it? Acceptance commitment therapy? Something like that. But like coming to terms with this is what we need to do now and focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there are things that you do naturally when that happens is you sort of withdraw and, and, uh, sort of take care of yourself and I think those are good to do generally speaking from time to time yeah depression yeah it's you, you had severe depression no I or, never even had or just I just had what I had was anxiety which was legitimately brought on by circumstance mm -hmm. which then hung on past the time of those circumstances and that freaked me out because I was like, why am I still freaking out? And then once or twice, I just caught a glimpse over the abyss and I was like, oh, that's depression over there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Crap, I want to stay away from that. Um, so I, I just got a, a brief glimpse into that universe. But one of the things that was amazing that I learned was how many people have it all the time. I've been a generally fairly blissfully free of it my whole life. So it was an interesting glimpse mm -hmm. yeah. that I'm actually thankful I had. As an artist type, you know, we tend to go in and out of melancholy, which is a different state, in my opinion. I like melancholy. Yeah. How are you about melancholy? Yeah. Do you like it? No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the mel melancholy. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of dwell well, in melancholy? No, if you can... I feel like if you're able to do creative things, do things that you enjoy doing or are creative or feel like you're getting something out of it, and it happens to be based on melancholy, mm -hmm. it feels okay. But where, where you're paralyzed and can't do anything is what's scary. Yeah, yeah. And, and where you're not entirely, like you say, it's a little bit like the migraine thing, where it's... In, it becomes impossible to see the world through any other set of lenses other than pain-induced, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine dealing with that and then dealing and being an artist uh, or a person with creative endeavors, this is, you have acted, obviously, and we've crossed paths once or twice in that realm. Mm -hmm in the films of Frankie Latina, uh, both modus operandi and, uh, uh, what is it called? Snapshot? Yeah, I believe that's, that the his Frankie's film started out as Snapshot. Yes. It's now called China Test Girls. Oh, okay, okay. That's the last I've, the last title change that I've heard, so. It's gone through some metamorphoses. Yeah, so I think still, I think China... Test Girls is still the... Still the title, trying to test title. girls. Which I think my part, which was always very small, is now even smaller. 
Um, I think I might be in like one shot, but we shot a whole sequence, but now it's just one shot, which is fine. But your part in that is relatively large, and I think actually got larger. I yeah. think somebody realized, oh, he got something here. Let's keep working this angle. What that, do you play in that film? Well, I, I play a, um, a hitman. Uh huh. Um, and my my name is the professor, which which I I, I insisted on that it would be called that. My name was the professor, and. Um, because it was in your contract. Yeah, well, I just, yeah. uh, he, he tried to talk me into some other name. I said, no, it's got to be The Professor, because every movie I see, all the old movies I see, the old movies, there's always somebody named The, the Professor. Professor. There always is. All right. And I think it's a good tradition. <laughs> you want to carry that on. Sure. So even as, even though it's a, it's, a, it's a contract killer type person. Right. Um, and probably like psychopath. Right. Um the professor is called the professor. Yeah. And so I, I, I wasn't going to, I didn't have a part at all in that movie when it started. Yeah. But, um, the, uh, the significant thing about it is that that's why I moved back to Milwaukee to work on this movie. Oh, so that's, that's a, you know, important thing. Where had you been before my, that? Uh, life pretty I, I, I was living in New York for about five or six years. And then I moved to Cleveland and I was, I'm from Ohio originally. I was going to say, what is the, um, what's the trajectory? Can you just, yeah, so, oh, yeah, my, yeah, my whole life trajectory is, is uh, Ohio. Um, Wait, what, where in Ohio? New York, uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Okay. Do you know that town? I know a little bit about Ohio, yeah, but I don't so, know that town. So, um, Ohio, then, you know, several places in Ohio and college and all that. And then, um, um, did you, what did you study in college? Um, bunch of things and didn't graduate okay fair enough you know, Eng so then english english photography was film, there a particular area of um passion for you all this just all the arts all the arts okay <laughs> all right um kabuki yeah every yeah, every right. one of them okay. yeah um not dance not dance <laughs> so, interesting exclusion <laughs> i drew the line you drew the line of dance yeah. oh okay but the rest of the arts interesting but then, yeah. So then I, I, moved. I have I have I have a vague appreciation of dance and cooking also. Oh because, yeah, uh, I do think of them as two of the arts that actually, like, might be necessary to human life, whereas the rest are all superfluous. All right, but yeah, dance good, kind yeah. of keeps the whole yeah. procreation game going, and food, of course, is the culinary art keeps us. Right, yeah. Fed s f nutritionally. So anyway, it's, anyway, it's odd that you drew the line of dance. But anyway, so excluding <laughs> that that world yeah. of human culture, which is probably older than most of the other art forms, but goes way back that one. Yeah. Uh, part of my, you know, one of my part of my major problem. Well, I don't know. Maybe you just didn't <laughs> think about. It. Maybe maybe you could have gone. I mean, also weird because I've, as a musician, right, uh, there's this weird component of dance and music and mm -hmm. the way those fit together. You can't really have dance without music. There will be those who would argue that there's no point in music unless you can dance to it. So, I don't know, it's kind of like chocolate and peanut butter there a little bit. Right. But <clears throat> anyway, so arts, Ohio College, no degree, yeah. moves from there to? Um, I moved to here and there. And on. then I ended up, I moved to Iowa City in the 90s. Okay. And that's where I met Chris, Chris Smith. Sure. And then from there I moved to Seattle. Hang on a sec. At that point, is that when you made American Job? Yeah. So, we, yeah. Okay. Yeah, American Job, that happened in Iowa City. Now, I have a friend who... Is is it says American Job is still the best Christmas movie, so that is still a favorite out there with yeah, that's a certain that crowd. Sense. Yeah, I, I still um I, I I like it still. So it's a um, solid movie. Yeah, I watched um, it at least once, but but I it, but it was uh, it I struck me as like no, this is this is a legit movie. 
This is a serious set. It's got something to say. Functions as a movie. It's, you know. Currently, currently unavailable. On I'm any, sure. On any yeah. format, but someday it will be, hopefully, again. Um, Seems like a Criterion collection. I ought to pick that one up. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But anyway. So then I moved to West Coast, I was, or Seattle, then Portland, and then from there, Milwaukee. Okay, Seattle, and Portland. Then to Milwaukee now, was that after Chris had moved to Milwaukee? Yeah, quite quite okay. a while after. Quite a while. After. Then I moved here to Milwaukee essentially to work on Zero TV, which is something you were involved oh in. Oh my goodness, our paths cross yeah. again. So that's that's probably the first place that our our paths crossed. Uh, yes, Zero, Zero TV, which was a sort of an early precursor to a YouTube webisode type thing, and uh, I played a frustrated uh, Muzak. Uh, composer, and uh, I worked for a awful boss, and I was yeah. on, I think, with Ray Chi and another guy whose name I don't remember. Bill Dempsey. Was that who it was? Bill, yeah, Bill Dempsey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you, you were the, yeah, it was the, uh, was it Musics, I think? Musics, Musics but was it was the, like yeah, a Musac. Like Musac. was writing Musac, yeah, and our, John, big, our big charge was to write a, essentially a, a psychedelic song in a elevator music style and I, we just couldn't crack the nut on that one it seemed like kept going back to the mill have you have you watched um that recently it's, is it it's, available for watching you can, you can find that on uh youtube oh you can not not easy to find but i, I found is it, it under zero tv or what's um it? it might be under zero there might be a zero tv page and it might be spelled out zero so it's okay. hard to find. and what was your involvement with it because obviously our storylines never intersected yeah i was uh so there it was all a part of the the milwaukee soap opera soap opera right uh series right. called milwaukee and um Center, partly centering on the brewer, the Schlapp's Brewery, uh-huh. and so I was the the one of the heirs to the Schlapp's Brewery. Okay, so that was like, like a little bit of a nod to like a Dallas or something, yeah. as I recall. Yeah. So I'd moved back to town from right. Arizona, and I was gonna, and then I was working at the brewery, and then there was a lot of conflict mm-hmm. around that, and then so that the brewery was gonna was going was hiring Musex to. Uh, Put our, to put sound in the uh, brewery for the employees. Okay, and so that's where that that came Some in. And, and John Heim was, was John Heim. John Heim was the music. He was my guy. boss. He was brilliant as my boss. He was very. It's, it's, awful. Those are my most. Those are my favorite episodes. Those ones. The ones were, with him, or just like, the ones yeah. with, with the, you and you and Ray. Okay. She and Bill Dempsey go in to talk to him about playing the song. Yeah, because we just couldn't please him. We just couldn't quite... Uh, I think and then, that, at the last minute, he just didn't even care. So he was like, whatever, and we're done. Yeah, they're so, hilarious. But, it was, it, but he made our lives a living hell for a good period of time. Yeah, Ray. Yeah, that's good stuff. It was interesting. So it was right around that time, then, that you would have also written uh, The Pool? Did you write The Pool? Well, that the um, that's... It's a, a complicated. Uh, oh, it's a very complicated uh, story about how the the, the oh, origin okay. of that. Martin. Okay, but it, the inspiration for it started with this short story I wrote called "The Pool," though it's set in Iowa City. Yeah, and the pool movie is set in India, so right. they're, they're obviously quite different. So, but Chris wanted to make a, try to make a movie in India when uh, several people. Took a trip over there, mm-hmm. Zav and mm-hmm, Hanelman. Mm-hmm. And they, a lot of them. Um, so, a lot of them went at one time. I think, and other people went and joined them. I can't remember how many people went, and uh, they they were going to go for a, a few weeks and then up staying for months. Yeah, for us. and and so that was one of the projects that they were going to try to pursue there, and we had maybe a few scripted pages more or less an outline though mm-hmm. so it really started just with an outline and so most of the story came out of them being there mm-hmm. um so i get credited as a screenwriter which is nice but there was no there was no real screenplay. but it was sort of inspired by a short story yeah, that yeah, you had written or yeah, something so. like that and that's i actually own that movie i have a copy of that um 
But I, I loved how it came out. Yeah, it was yeah, so it's a nice, that's a nice little movie. Um, then I would say it was on to Frankie Latinadom, which you would have started with him on Modus Operandi. Yeah, I started. I did some other things. There might be something else I'm that. missing. Yeah, yeah, what else is yeah, in there? Well, there was other. There was other movies that he's kind. Of, I mean, he's kind of disowned them. Maybe who? Or Frankie. You know, some of his. Oh, early, some of early, Frankie's yeah, earlier earlier stuff. movies. Yeah, we can skip ahead. Yeah, so he's. <laughs> so, but when I, I met him here, and in Milwaukee, and um, he would come up to the Blue Mark office and um, talk about filmmaking and everything, and and, mm-hmm. and so he would, you know, he would get people to act and. His movies. He's made a lot of movies, you know. No, I know. Movies. That's one of his superpowers is getting people to act in movies that he's making. So the, with Modus, it was basically like a who's who of the Milwaukee film scene, uh, yeah. including myself. I managed to make it in there somewhere as a henchman number one or something yeah. like that. But <laughs> so that's, yeah, that but, was one uh, that that yeah. was one where a lot came together in that. Yeah. Movie. So that was nice. It's kind of fun and uh, surprisingly entertaining to watch. It's actually uh, kind of hangs together, oddly. Yeah, I, I, I like, I've watched it yeah. countless times, and I think it's very entertaining. It is. It's entertaining. <laughs> I don't know if it's entertaining to everyone. Like, if you, it's certainly entertaining if you know the people who are in it. It's yeah, very that, entertaining. that helps, of course. I don't know if it translates beyond the market, but I, I kind of get the sense it's absurd and ridiculous enough that it possibly does but I, I think that I, I mean I, I could see liking being a big fan of it if I didn't know anybody you know because it's just so it's just so over the top so ridiculous and it's so yeah. sort of lo-fi I do have a friend whose wife watched it and she said she enjoyed it and she didn't know who anybody was so I guess that's some kind of an indicator yeah just I mean it goes from you know black and white and color all these characters right they keep the, you know the the things that keep the plot right, connected kind of is someone on the telephone. Follow the moving <laughs> suitcase kind of thing, basically. It's just yeah, it's pretty simple, like and yet effective. You, you can't ever predict that the next part is going to be though, right. which I think is nice because I feel like the downfall of so many movies is you get about halfway through and you just pretty much know what the rest of it's going to be, and you're just like, okay, I've seen all this before. But that movie, just you have no idea. It yeah, just keeps, it's so off the wall. It keeps surprising you. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. So then, China Test Girls. But then I'm not sure. Is there anything else in there that I'm? No, no. Say? Then yeah. So then I I moved out of to no. You out moved of to town. New York. Yeah, right. I moved to New York while he was finishing. Modus operandi. So I never. I wasn't even here when he did a lot of the final scenes, which are some of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Like his, the one shootout scene in there, that's a real classic. Yeah. The uh, big the, the one with everybody basically yeah, killing every, everybody. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, very well staged. <laughs> kind of sad I wasn't here for that. Fits the fits the place of an actual climax, which is nice. It's good, kinda of works. And like he even you know, like he came he came to New York at one point just to for me to do some uh dial, dialogue recording and you know that it was really awkward. <laughs> you could have, done it, could have done it on the phone. <laughs> oh, but uh, you know, like where I would say, yes, no, yes. <laughs> but you know, I think he, you know, he had a nice visit too. Yeah. Um, but the, so then that that got finished and it, it played in New York. I went to a screening there, mm-hmm. which was really fun. And um, so then, after I moved back to Ohio, I was I was I moved to Cleveland. I was going to try and find a job in Cleveland, and I wasn't finding a job. And then Frankie said he was working on this new movie, which was at the time Snapshot. And um, we just kind of talked about maybe me coming here in the capacity of a producer, mm. which would, would mean just like working on anything. And, uh, you know, and then, so tonight, so I said, okay, I just need someone to have a project to work on. I'll, I'll move here, you know. And right. Didn't, you know, there's really no money in it. Though he did, he paid for a few months rent for me. Wow. I moved into this apartment. Um, 
you know, gotcha, just moved, kind of yeah, just moved right in. And so it was, a, it was a really kind of a fun and painless way to move somewhere mm-hmm. and then be re- immediately involved in working on a creative project. Mm-hmm. And, and which, and which was really, which was a lot of fun. And then we start running into problems, of course, as you know, like, as films tend to do. Yeah. And so then it just be, it became, but I mean, it was never, it was, it always it was fun. Right, right. You know, it was always fun and always kind of uh, maddening at the same time. And so the and the movie is still not uh, finished as far as I know. It might be one of those movies that's probably better left unfinished. No, I, I want him to you finish it. You want it to finish yeah, it. Yeah, okay. because I... Well, I'm just saying, it's not, I think in Frankie's um, mind, my concern is that it's never... Um, he. I don't think he's ever going to get it to fit the mold that I think he thinks he wants it to have. And so... At some point, you do just have to abandon it and kind of move on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah, well, that's yeah. I, I think you could finish it and move on to the next thing. We, sure. we, I mean, it's we, done. Yeah, right? we had we had a finished cut that I was happy with. So. Yeah. Well, I saw a finished yeah. cut. I'll, I'll say two years ago. I feel like, mm-hmm. and then I saw a new cut maybe a year after that, <laughs> and I was I was like, it's arguably worse i guess and it seemed like it was better before you know and i didn't see a lot of changes but the changes that i did see i didn't particularly like so but yeah that's well that's uh i'm particularly you know yes he's got to figure it out figure that out is yeah um and i i just i I said like all the stuff that you keep shooting for it since the time that it was done um, you could have another. This could be another, another movie. Another movie, exactly. Yeah, you have a whole another movie. But I wasn't supposed to act in it, and then this. Then we needed this part for a hitman named the Professor. So I Thanks. agreed to do that, and then uh, that ended up being a lot of fun. One one thing that was always good of fun with working with him is that he'll come up with surprises all the time so you might not know what you're doing that day and he tries i don't know if he does it to keep um just he doesn't want to tell you ahead of time he thinks he'll jinx it or maybe you will argue with him or maybe he thinks it'll be fun to be surprised yeah i'm never really sure happily surprised as an actor i'll grant you that uh because i've read some other directors that have uh that's keep you off your toes sort of like oh, yeah, yeah and i'm not i'm like no i'd be better on my <laughs> so, just let me be on my let me plan a little bit and let me have some that always sense work. of you know where i'd like this thing to go but i don't know it's a technique some kind of a technique that i guess some people get good results with i don't i don't understand it yeah. as an actor i don't like it yeah so. You would have liked working with Stanley Kubrick. Do you think I would have liked yeah. working with him? For, well, are yeah, you I mean, are, are you suggesting that that was even? A, I mean, that obviously, it seemed like he tortured people. A little different, like, though, you know. I get. I mean, this is the thing: is 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 the is it? Here's a question: Is it okay to torture people for art? Yeah, that I I um I I would say no, but. Uh, Actually, I always thought that would be a good idea for a horror movie. I mean, I imagine there's actually some horror movies out there that have already kind of done, gone into this. But it, to me, that is that is a point that I met face-to-face as a filmmaker at a fairly young age. It was maybe back in 93 or something. I made a particularly sadistic film that where everyone ended up killing everybody and there was blood and there was all this stuff. And... and uh, the main characters all fought with one another. And at one point I was just like, why don't you just kick, kick him, just kick him for real, you know? And that was funny and laughed at, but like at one point there was a bug that got killed on camera. And, uh, there were other things that happened in this film and it was, and then it was at the end of that process that I started to really kind of question like some of that, like, is this, is this, really uh, okay 
and 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 then at another stage uh, reached a point where uh even as a filmmaker which you're you're not really you're not a filmmaker necessarily right you don't consider yourself a filmmaker or do you well i i i did at one time but i'm not not i don't now because i'm not really pursuing filmmaking because there's at least in my experience as a filmmaker or as a person who tried to make films uh you enter a strange relationship with the rest of humanity where you view other people as a means to an end that is how can they help me with my film how yeah. can you help me how could you act in my film can you get me into a location can you finance can you do this can you do that and suddenly everybody in the universe is basically a person that you need to interact with that way and i and i've had some talks with people who are filmmakers about this but i became very uncomfortable with that also and just that whole interaction um that relationship so uh i mean i think i finally read kant or something and uh you know people are an ends to themselves not an ends <laughs> you know uh idea and and so that i realized as a filmmaker i've been sort of using not in a really harsh way and ideally we were making something fun a project or something but then you know at the end of the day like what's more important that you be a good human being or that you make a good film hey well, for, for, yeah film you need people right and so i mean that's i think that's one of the things i first i went to school for film in ohio and uh i just i think was one of one of the reasons i got away from it right away is because i thought like the two things that it is going to take is a lot of money and a lot yeah. of help with a lot of people. Yeah. And I was just, I was even like playing in, you know, quitting bands I was in just because of that. I was, it was, just, it's hard working with other people. Mm -hmm. And because it's just a lot of, a lot of conflict and people, and people not doing what you want them to. And but then you assuming that you have the right to tell them to do something that yeah. they don't want to do. Like that whole, yeah. that whole thing is, is problematic. And I just thought I'd rather work on things where I'm, I'm it's just me working. So I just, I kind of moved just into writing more than mm -hmm. filmmaking because it was just me working on writing. Yeah. And I like, I like that more and I still do. Yeah. Um, but then I got, you know, then I, I was doing any film until I ran into Chris in Iowa City. Right. And, uh, you know, he wanted to make this film. and But it was so much, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of inspiring, kind of got me back into it again. And he was really good at mm -hmm. enlisting people to work on stuff. He's very good at it. Same game, though. Yeah. It's never not that game. But, but it is true that some people and that to me that's the that's the meta game of it is the people who do it very well do it in such a way that you actually want to participate with them because you get enjoyment from it somehow yeah but there are plenty of people plenty of directors who i've worked with who make you feel awful or you know, or or at the very least, you walk away from it going, "Why the hell did I bother with that? That was a waste of time." Yeah. <laughs> so, are you, that's just do you still act. work on in film now? Yeah, occasionally. Like I acted in some films recently. Um, I still do a lot of music and uh, sound design for films, shorts, and occasionally features. Um, so most recently, I just finished scoring Tate Bunker's film, his feature, and uh, his uh, and scoring and sound designing. Basically, it's kind of a horror movie, so kind of blending of sound design and music. Okay, yeah. You said you were in a band. What did you? Was that a? Yeah, I, w I, w I was in bands from um, when, in, when a young age, really. But um, I was in punk bands and. The late seventies, okay. early eighties, and so that's what I was. After the well, early eighties is when I kind of wanted to get away. Was getting away from that a bit. Sorry, but I was in punk. Yeah, I played in punk bands in Ohio, and uh, mainly Kent, Ohio. 
Okay. So that was that was. Wait, so were you in punk bands for political purposes, or were you in punk bands for? Uh... Well, not for. It was just be, to be in a be in a band, um, but they're sort of often were they're often purposes? often were were well more to. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I just like I like music most mm-hmm. of all. I mean, it was just for for me. It was more about I, I like. Like playing music, I played drums at first. Okay, so that was my first instrument that I played in a band with. And the first band, punk band I was in, we had a lot of political songs because mm-hmm. we just did. And I mean, the the guy, the people who wrote the songs were a lot of political lyrics, you know. And we were influenced by the other punk bands sure. who wrote political lyrics, of course. And um, I mean, it was a lot. Was this of, in college or high school? You know, it was. Uh, it was in, I was in college by the time I first okay. was in my first band, punk band that played out anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, my first year in college at Ohio State was when I bought dr- some drums. <laughs> I bought drums from, uh, you know, I saw an ad. No, I took a drum lessons, actually. Okay. I brought, bought drums from my drum teacher. Ah. So I, um, it's a nice set of Gretsch, old Gretsch drums. And um, I like it was fun, mm-hmm. and I, I so I took my I had my drums in my dorm room, mm. which was very popular. popular yeah, yeah, so, with the people downstairs, yeah, or upstairs. Yeah, so yeah, we we made we made a lot of noise anyway, but yeah, that added to it. So the, so that you know that was the basis of our first band. Yeah, it was called the Bursting Brains. Bursting Brains. And so it was um. There's five of us huh. in Sandusky, Ohio. In uh, college. Well, I, I was in college when I started. We started back in my hometown, the okay. band, like in the summer. Yeah. So our, my background with music is really different, but vaguely similar, uh, because I I started out being forced to play piano when I was, you know, second grade or something like that. And, had to take piano lessons and so basically hated piano and hated music and also was forced to play an instrument. So I picked the trombone because it seemed like the easiest one to play. And it is. And, um, and then was convinced I want to be a filmmaker from like third grade on. So I was making like James Bond movies with my super eight camera and that kind of stuff. Had no intention of following up on music at all. And then, uh, in college I, well, a little bit before college, there was a friend of mine who was an, a music guy, and he had heard, we had a, another friend who had gotten a hold of, no, another friend who's, okay, I had a very good friend who was a drummer also, and he and I had another, a mutual friend, and his brother was in a punk band, and they went to a recording studio and recorded an album in a day, and we thought that was silly and ridiculous <laughs> so we got a hold of a four track and we recorded an album in a day uh even though none of us really played you know in a band or anything like that and then we just kind of kept doing that like we'd get together on a weekend and record another album and our band was called no bad dogs by the way and and then went off to college and then uh eventually went into a recording studio and was like ah I'll be needing one of these, definitely. Um, so then that was when I kind of got the bug to record, never to perform. And then we got hooked up uh, with two film student friends of mine who later became Irritating Rainbow. And we r- recorded a bunch of albums and had some fun and haven't done much since. And there have been some other projects here and there. So the recording studio is really the thing that was exciting. To me, the recording studio is the is the creative link. I think of a creative recording studio as an instrument rather than as a yeah, thing that you pay money to go rehearse your songs and go in and play. So that was the thing. Is I, most, the, most the way that's set up is you go... You pay your 50 bucks an hour, you record your songs. And it's like, well, that seems like a waste. It's like all this stuff we could be playing with. So, yeah. yeah. And they, so UWM is a film student. I got into the sound <clears throat> and, the, and that kind of stuff. 
Which is where, where, did we, you, where, where we crossed paths a little. Where did you grow grow up? It was in Wisconsin. Uh, no, I'm from Minnesota originally. Oh, Minnesota. Okay, so from uh, Faribault, Minnesota, which is a small little town south of the cities by about an hour. And then I came to film school here, which was the big move of my, you know, like leaving my family and all that. So, you, and then you came to Milwaukee to go to film school. Yeah. Okay. To go to the UWM film program. And uh, didn't quite know what I was getting into, but rolled with it. And uh, and then I started making a feature film after that, uh, after four years at film school. And then I was going to make a feature film. I made a feature film on film, edited on a Steenbeck, all that old school crap. And then I uh, had to mix it and got a job where I work now and been there ever since. What's your feature film? It's called Hook, Line, and Sinking. It's also not available anywhere on the uh, <laughs> on the interweb. But yeah, it was a film uh, that starred you know some other people from Milwaukee that I knew, and it was a little bit. It was about a it was about a group of friends who are leaving the college stage of their lives and going out into the the hard world, the real world, and. Uh, Sort of how quickly they turn on each other. And, uh, and there's one friend who's sort of goes his own way and doesn't look back. So, so it was like a, you know, it was a whole complex narrative then. It was like an ensemble thing, yeah. 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 It, was, it was sort of like there were, there were uh, aspects of Big Chill or, you know, some other mm -hmm. that kind of things in there. Um, I think we really drew heavily on. I wrote it with my brother, so the script, even though we may have diverged from the script, but the original script was written by my brother, and I know we were very heavily drawing from The Deer Hunter and from Razor's Edge, Somerset Moms. Oh, Razor's Edge. Yeah. Which version? Well, the film <laughs> version we were referring to would have been the, the Bill Murray version, Bill not Murray. the uh, who's, who's Tyrone Powers version. Yeah, they're like, they have Tyrone yeah. Did you see the, the version that uh, Zav LaPlay and Stephanie Barber did, Fraser's Edge? No. You know about that? No. It's, it's, see, that's bizarre. They did a version of Razor's yeah. Edge. Uh, I know these people. Why do I not know that this exists? Yeah, it's, well, it's, they, um, it, it did actually play recently, too, here, wow. here at the... Uh, um, who all is involved? It, well, it was just um, Zav and Stephanie. Okay, so it's it's a very it's a very show. it's a very rough version, um, but it's kind of based on just um, I believe it was based on S Stephanie's memory of reading it. I think of reading the book of reading the book. Okay, yeah, so. And and so it's it's you know it's it's a very loose yeah. version, but it is called Razor's Edge, and, yeah. and they um, I think they just wanted to do a project together, where Zav had his I believe it was a thirty-five millimeter camera uh -huh. that he has, wow, and and he had some film, and so he went to visit Stephanie in Baltimore, and they decided to work on a project, so that's what they picked, and so they did sort of a interpretation of it. That way, you but just, I, I, but I think it's, it's, uh, I like it. I'd actually really it's, like it's, to see it's, that. It's really strange. It was then it was after that period that I we got, uh, like I read, uh, is it Moonlight and Sixpence, which is another Somerset mom. I don't know any story. of his. I've okay. never read any of his. Moonlight and Sixpence is interesting because it's basically a lift of the life of uh, Gauguin, who Paul Gauguin, who was essentially a. A banker or something like that, like mm -hmm. a complete not artist who then just decided to become an artist one day, just kind of left his family, left his job, went off and started painting, learned, taught himself how to paint, lived on like bread and water. And that's what that book is essentially the story of. And then it goes, and then eventually oh, he yeah. just, uh, he, you know, he, it doesn't go well. It's a, it's a sort of a downward trajectory kind of thing. And he ends up in Tahiti like uh, Gauguin and he's painting, you know, 
And there's an interesting movie of that, too, which is like black and white all the way up until Tahiti. And then the last reel of the film is in color. That sounds fun. Who made the, the movie? I don't remember who made that. But that is an interesting movie. And I was like, oh, that's kind of intrigued by that story. Well, I, I might have a... Um... I might have a DVD of. I would love. I watch DVDs I, still. I have to find it. I know. And I told Peter Barrick when I had had it, and he really wants to watch it. So yeah, yeah. I have to, um, I'd love to see that because I know the story so well, and I and I know the players. So yeah, it's 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 kind of everything was pretty inspired. It was an interesting time in UWM because we were down there while Zav and. Stephanie, they that was when they all came together. So that was yeah. competitor was mm-hmm. sort of irritating rainbows official or we were their unofficial, you know, like competitor was a band that played gigs and did stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but irritating rainbow was this sort of high concept band that never touched a stage and basically just but like we met in Stephanie's class that was a video class. So we shot our first music video for that project. It wasn't really a music video at all, but that was kind of what it was. It was actually started out as a musical. And then that was all in Stephanie's class, I believe. So oh, okay. And Stephanie was there while Chris was there. Chris was working on an American movie and and uh it was an interesting time at UWM, a little bit of a renaissance. Yeah. The mid nineties. I've heard Bill Barons refer to it fondly. The mid-90s, yeah. Yeah. Irritating Rainbow is a nice name. It was actually from the lips of Stephanie. Because she uh, she was referring to some kind of a color bar when it's out of alignment or something. (laughs) And she says it creates this irritating rainbow. And Ryan and Todd and I were like, that's where it comes at. It irritating rainbow. We are irritating rainbow. Yeah, I enjoy that project. Those are some of the best things I did thus far. Got any plans for the future? No. Well, I I like. I mean, I've talked to a few people recently about recording studios. So I'm trying to get excited about recording studios. So. Why? What? What? Like? What? What? What capacity? Oh, just because I've never have um, done anything in recording studios, and oh. it seems exciting. It's quite addicting. Um, yeah. No, I, I actually one band I was in did re- we recorded an album in a studio, and um, and it was a completely hundred percent positive experience, which yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of people don't have. No, I, but, uh, I would say that first time in the recording studio is pretty blissful for yeah, a lot maybe, of people. Yeah, maybe, maybe it should be. Yeah, yeah. but and, and we ended up not ever putting out the album. The band kind of drifted apart. Sure. So we didn't put it out. I have it on a cassette tape somewhere. Yeah, um, I have a bunch of stuff. Which on I thought was, I, th- I think it's it was good, but um, but it was it was with people who were very into being creative mm-hmm. and I mean just not restricting mm-hmm. ourselves with anything and mm-hmm. really into trying things and the guy who ran the studio was really great so that was the only time and um, I I recorded you know recorded a lot of music with my my brother who was my main collaborator musically okay. when I was younger and I loved I loved recording music yeah. and um, and then I just got to the point where I then didn't do it ever, yeah. except for that time with that one band. Yeah, and so I, I still have, and I, I love, I like playing music still, and I don't really have any desire to perform. Right, and so I, I was thinking, I just started thinking recently about yeah, well, no, I should it's try and pure, re- and it's I pretty try to pretty easy to do. I mean, I don't know how you do it in this apartment, but you know, the software is such that it's just like with video now, it's all so readily available that there's really no excuse. I mean, all the movies I'm used to make in high school on VHS and on film and stuff, it'd be so much easier now to do it and to do it in a really high quality, presentable way. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, kind of don't. Yeah. I reached a point where I sort of, with filmmaking at least, I, it's like I really struggled with the why are we doing this question? Why, why are we doing this? Like, why are we creating more content? 
There's a lot of content right now. There's no shortage yeah. of content. Here we are creating content right now. Why do we do this? That's it's kind of how I've got to be with filmmaking. I mean, I guess yeah. if you have, if you have, I mean, that that story that no one told yet. <laughs> Good luck. Have you managed to find a story that no one has told yet? Yeah, that's what, that's what you're supposed to have if you're making. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's. I guess that's that's it. I don't have any thing that I feel like. I want to say on with film. Yeah. Um, I, I still write fiction though. Yeah. So, but it's going at about it in a completely different way. Um, that I can't really describe that. But. <laughs> can't it's describe it away. Cause if you describe it, then you could stop doing it probably. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and I, and then I, I wonder about that too. So I'm not even sure. Um, I feel like most of everything I do is is just is regurgitating other stuff anyway, but I still like to do it. Yeah. It's, you know, somehow fun, or I like making a game out of it, or... Well, it's a nice way to spend an afternoon, and then at the end of the afternoon, you got a little something to show for it, and maybe somebody else will kind of get a kick out of it or enjoy it, and and then, you know, in 10 years from now, you'll come back and look at it, and... Oh, that's kind of funny, and that's good, and that's the yeah. That's it. That's or, what or maybe, got. or maybe you won't. Won't yeah. Maybe you won't want to come back to yeah, it, maybe, or you yeah. do come back to it, and it's it's, it's hard a, to say. It's yeah. a thing to struggle with. I don't know. I haven't answered the riddle. If you watch that old that, you might enjoy watching that Milwaukee show. Though, I think as it far would, as yes. going back to, and I would like to see the something Sav and Stephanie Barber thing. I haven't heard. I mean, I think I found her on Facebook recently, but it's been ages since. And I mean, Annie Kilea, that's a whole crowd. Uh, can't think of her name. She used to date Chris Smith. She's probably a... Sarah Price. Sarah Price, right. Yeah, yeah that's all the, 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 the members of Competitor. Yes. So, TDA. TDA. I guess we're coming to the end of our time. Well, that's a shame. Looks like I see the big red light flashing. <laughs> oh, oh well. That um, uh, you're, yeah, you're welcome. To come back sometime though. Yeah, well, there's more. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot have, more there. We have a lot of to talk about. So we, we want to we uh, finish this uh, each episode with a psychic connection test. Okay. Um, to try and determine whether or not extent, I have a, a psyche. Or yeah, or, or I do. I don't okay. know. Or, or or together, there's together. There's yeah. at least one collective yeah. psyche. So um, we have a few these four separate tests. We're going to try the okay. in, increasing order of uh, difficulty. The first one is there's a there's a coin there, uh, and then you just you don't have to flip it because it'll roll off somewhere and be lost but okay, i have to look at it you can just look at it and try and and look at either the heads or tail side and i'll try and i guess so i'm going to concentrate there's really only a head side the tail side appears to be a i don't even know what i'm looking at there but yeah not a tail well it's so it's a okay let me think okay, okay i'm um, ready all right tails no Okay, let me try again. Wait, now do I redo the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, okay. you can. Like, okay, I'm gonna yeah, redo pick, the pick thing. another side. Okay, or so my, should I be side. doing this consciously or unconsciously? Well, just um, just concentrate on which, whichever side is up. Okay, because last yeah. time I just kind of did it uh, in a random way. Yeah. So doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter how you get there. So now I got to think about what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, is it uh, heads? No, I'm afraid it isn't. Oh, wait, it's. We're struggling a little yeah, bit yeah. to make a connection. Well, maybe that's... Oh, okay, try another one. Okay. okay. Is it... Um, uh, I actually... Okay, I'm ready now. Ready? Okay. Is it uh, tails? No, no, it's not tails. 
That's amazing, just because of the, by the mere laws of probability. We yeah, no, we've managed to go outside of what is... Yeah, that's what I, I call it, like a reverse psychic connection. <laughs> ah, well, that would... Just sometimes I think that would make sense. Stronger than a psychic connection. Okay, yeah. try it again. Okay, I'm going to go one more time. Um, okay. Because, yeah, I, there is kind of like a like a probability thing, I think, yeah. that you're bound to get it at one of these points. Right. Um, is it heads? No, it's actually... It's tails. Sorry. Do you want to go for yeah. five? Yeah, try, okay, try again. Um, um, I just hold I just okay. want to really think about this this time. Yeah. Uh, I really want to think, which do I want? Yeah. Is it? Uh, I, I'm, I haven't picked. Now okay. I'm picking. Okay, I right. picked. Yeah, I'm probably trying. I'm probably hurrying you mentally. Uh, is it uh, tails? No, it's actually heads. So okay. you're doing, I mean, as, like you say, as a negative psychic, it's almost uncanny. Yeah. So, you know, each time the, the, the probability is 50%. Yeah. Regardless. So, okay, try again here. Try, oh, do you want to go yeah, again? Okay. Because yeah, oh. uh, I'd actually, I think you'd be more impressive now if you just kept getting it wrong. Yeah, right. Is it tails? No, it's actually heads. Okay. Yeah, shall we just move on to the next? Test? Okay, let's move to we'll, the next. We'll consider that out of time. When I was a, l a little kid, my my mom did psychic tests with me, and she used these kind of cards. There's five different symbols on here. I'm familiar with the cards from uh, from the film Ghostbusters. Oh, Ghostbusters! They use this. Yeah, they use yeah. this exact same I've never test. Never seen Ghostbusters. Um, so now, what I need to do is pick one of these cards. Yeah, just pick one of those, and then um, and then concentrate on it. Okay, let me see what my options are. Did you know that you have two circles in this deck? No, there's two There's two of each, actually. Oh, there's, there's two of each. Yeah, there's ten cards. There are five different symbols. Except some of them are drawn so poorly, they may look like different. Well, okay, yeah, now I see, okay. But it's... Okay. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, circle, mm -hmm. square, star, three wavy lines, and cross. Right. Square, star. Right. So I think... <clears throat> All right, I've made my selection. Do you oh, need this deck back, or no? Just, uh, just you can. Uh, okay, you can just. So I got to think about what it is. Yeah, you can think about what it is. Is it um, three wavy lines? No, it isn't three wavy lines. Which one? What was it? Oh, you you want to guess again? Yeah. Or? No, no. Sorry, we can. Okay, just, it's, you can uh, just... it's a plus sign. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, so we're batting a thousand so far. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's or zero, I guess. I think that the odds only go in your favor at this point. Okay, so continuing now, your streak. Now here's a, a deck of cards okay. that are, that has it's all uh, fifty-two different cocktails. Okay, including ingredients, and so you can pick one of those and then concentrate on it. And I'll try to guess. Uh, all right, I have I've made my selection. All right, is it a um... now? Not to interrupt the process, but like, what are you trying to visualize? The card or the drink? The drink. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think of the so yeah, think of the the, the drink. Um, uh, grasshopper. Okay, well, I would normally have, if I was at a bar, I don't drink. Uh. So I order a grasshopper when I go to a bar because it's essentially an ice cream drink. Um, but I did not select a grasshopper because oh, okay. I didn't see it in the deck. I picked the French 75 because I've heard of that. I've never heard of French 75. Yeah, it's champagne, gin, little something kind of syrup and some lemon juice. To drink the well, maybe I was picking up on your affinity for the grasshopper. Yeah, I think you probably were, because that's really the only drink I've ever been known to order. Although you ever order at random? Yeah, yeah. Well, or Bryant's. Bryant's. Which is yeah. called Dairy Queen for adults. Yeah, I like those places. Enjoy the banana split with a punch. So. Okay, for the last um, test. The most difficult one is that you can pick something, anything from culture or 
the world, or, or it could be a, a food. It could be a restaurant, a food, a food type of food, a dish, a movie, a, a book, a song, a band, anything. But then you tell me the category, and I'll try to pick um, what it is you're thinking of. Okay, I'm. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm inclined to not make this too obscure. Just because things have been, you know, okay. not connecting. All right. <laughs> but um, I've got a, an idea in my head, and it is both a movie and a book. Oh, a movie and a book. Yes. Mm. Let's see. Razor's Edge. Well, that would have been a little <laughs> too easy. Sorry. Well, let, me, let me pick. <laughs> that was... That was I, I, I regret in saying it's not obscure. It's no. probably pretty obscure. It happens yeah. to be the movie that I'm currently watching movie in my I home DVD. Let me try and guess one more. Um, no, I, I have read this book, and I've also seen this movie before. It is a movie from the 80s. A movie from the 80s? Now it's getting hard because I can't even remember the 80s. Okay. Um I can give you more about, clues if about, you if it helps. No, let me let me. I'll guess one just based on something I was, what I was watching last night, which was a movie. The odds of us having from, watched from this the eighties, yeah, 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 that's good chance. <laughs> no, I don't even know if this is actually from the eighties. Probably isn't. No, it's from the nineties. So got it. Eighties. Um. No, I can't. I I'm give, I give up. You've given up. I've given up because you want clues. Yeah, no, no, no clues. Um, no, no, yeah. Then it wouldn't it'd just okay. be a guessing game and not. Yeah, yeah, psychic. not psychic. Yeah, we have not established this, the, the the the. We haven't really proven the psychic thing. Which one? What was it anyway? Eighty four Charing Cross Road. Oh, do you know yeah. that movie? Um. I've heard of the name, but I don't. I've never seen it. Or as a book lover, you might actually yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I haven't. Who wrote it? Do you know? I don't know who wrote the book. I read the book back in a long time ago. It's a good book. It's all correspondences between this woman who's trying to get prints or get get uh, copies of books from a British book dealer in like the fifties and they keep writing back and forth. So it's just the oh, correspondence. Okay. Right. Do you have such and such a manual? You know, do you have this? this version of, you know, Samuel Pepys' diary or whatever, and then they just write back and forth. But over the time, the correspondence becomes a, more of a friendship. And and I was watching the film. I've always had that film in my collection. I haven't watched it in donkey's years, but I'm always struck by how little conflict there is in that movie. It's just two people talking and essentially acts of kindness. It's actually kind of a lovely movie. That sounds nice. It is. Who's in it? Uh, Anthony Hopkins. And, um, crap, I'm blanking on the name. I've heard, right I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, uh, why, why can't I think of her name? Anne Bancroft, I think. Oh, okay. So Anne Bancroft and Anthony Hopkins. I mean, Judy Dench is in there. There's some other actors that you might recognize, but it's largely just this back and forth. A lot of it's done in voiceover. But it is literally just, do you have this? Yeah, I have that. And then eventually they get to a former relationship, and then he's like, send them some meat because it's England during the post-war period, so they don't have any meat, and it's just that's it. There doesn't appear to really be any. This I've seen it before, but I, it's always interesting to me that it's able to sustain your interest mm -hmm. yeah. without there being a conflict in it. So, nice. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for. Uh coming by and hosting and uh, guest hosting the okay. podcast and uh um and if, if we'd like to ask you back sometime if you'd I'd you'd be like happy to, to come back or cover some other topics yeah okay all right thanks a lot I feel like we scratched the surface oh yeah right. yes.